Warning, you are about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But to be honest, they aren't masters of shit. It's just my mom and her dumbass friend. So if you like interviews, nerdy stuff, and bad puns, you're going to want to listen to this. neighbors and welcome to the seventh episode of masters of the obvious i'm kirsten bozio and i'm cynthia rose on today's pod we have an interview with writer charlie feldman and we talk about adventure time teen titans go the owl house and gem and the holograms and kirsten and i discuss nerd news new comic releases and do a comic quiz but first we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com we have a ton of merch for sale, and if you'd like to support this pod and take advantage of free shipping in the United States, well, we really appreciate you. And hey, no matter how much I work out, I'll never have ankles as nice as yours. You could check that out and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. I got a Victorian somewhere. Very Randy. <laughs> Randy Victorian. Run the, run the boy. <laughs> Uh, Should we go into some nerd news? I think we shall. Let's do it. Milady. (laughs) Did you catch that new WandaVision trailer? I did. What was your thoughts and feelings? I felt complete. (laughs) I felt like the hole in my life, that Marvel hole was being stuffed full of goodness. (laughs) Ugh. I do love getting a hole spilled. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the little tidbits in there that are um, obviously supposed to make us talk and think about, I don't know, supposed to like lead (laughs) us on into being like, oh, maybe it's about this and maybe it's about that. And I I think it's just misleading us, but we'll see. It's super wacky. I like, I like that direction for comic books though. I feel like we have a lot of media that takes itself too seriously. (laughs) Zack Snyder. Um, So it's just nice to see more wacky. Yeah. We love, we love wacky. It's about time we get some wacky. I'm over shows and movies taking themselves too seriously. You know Did who's you wacky? Can, who's wacky? Catherine Hahn is wacky. And she makes, what, like three appearances in that trailer alone? Yeah, so there's probably, I mean, unless it's misleading us, there's probably going to be a lot of her in the show. I think she might be a well-known character. I think she's the Salem witch from the comics. Give me all the witches. Also, I think we, we got an appearance from Monica Rambeau, who we last saw as a child in Captain Marvel. So I hope there's a crossover happening. Lots of exciting things that this show could bring. Also, I'm just excited for a show to explain um, the Vision's robot sperm. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're alluding to the children that that are canon in the books, too. In other Marvel news, we have a new villain for Ant-Man 3. We do. We have Jonathan Majors of Lovecraft Country, who is fan-fucking-tastic in that show. How great is that show? I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. It's good, but I have to take it in small bits. Like I haven't actually watched all the episodes because there is such a um, a shift from the first episode to the second episode. And it's mm-hmm. like an energy shift too. But I'm on episode three at this point. It takes a few jumps and you have to go with it, but it's beautiful and the acting is so good. Also, fuck H.P. Lovecraft. We love that. This is totally kind of a, a big F you to him. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Marvel, we finally have a She-Hulk. 
finally, Tatiana Meslani of Orphan Black and Perry Mason. I like it. She's no Alison Brie, but I can get on board. She's no Alison Brie, but she does look the part. Yeah, yeah. And she wears a suit well, which is important as a lawyer. <laughs> that lady can sure wear a suit. <laughs> Listen, if I can't thirst over a woman in a suit, then what's the point? <laughs> that bitch can't wear a suit. She's out. I have very little to live for. Give me something. A crumb, but a crumb. Since we love our Marvel news, let's continue with the Miss Marvel live action series that Disney Plus is putting out. Yeah. Of course, featuring um, the first Muslim superhero to headline her own series. All the directors are also South Asian. It's going to be good. I have a feeling it's going to be good. I love Miss Marvel. And I, again, I hope for a Captain Marvel crossover. Mm. So she is basically her mentor. Right. And we finally got news on our beloved Harley Quinn show. Renewed. Season three. Season three, baby. So good. And then in other DC news, we are getting a final season for Supergirl. The final one. Final. Sixth and final season. And they're saying that it's going to be a doozy. They really, I mean, that's probably their strongest show, DC's. It's good. I mean, like... I granted I went into it not thinking I was going to get much out of it. I watch it with my sister and she just adores Supergirl. So it could, it could have been trash and she would have been like, it's the best thing ever. But I was watching it with her and like, it's, it's watchable. Like it's good. And I think even for young girls, like it's got a lot of like good lessons and um, it's super inclusive. Uh, Linda Carter is in it. Nice. I think she played the president. Like it's just, it's a, it's a great show. It's a great show. Please drop me in that timeline where Linda (laughs) Carter is present. Right. The only uh, thing that I would uh, change about it, and maybe they, I I haven't seen it in a few seasons, but they do have Dean Cain playing her dad. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. That's what we need less of in the world, less Dean Cain. Less Dean Cain. (laughs) So I don't know if you heard, Cynthia, Mm, but the DCU is transitioning into the DC Universe Infinite beginning January 21st of next year. Mm, What does that mean? Yeah, well, they're going to be giving fans access to more than 24,000 comic books at at launch. And then all the recently released comic books since six months after the physical versions hit the store shelves, among other exclusives. Cool. So we had the Emmys and we have some Emmys. We have some notable winners, people that we actually give a shit about that won. Oh, give a shit about. We give a shit about the Shits Creek. It is Shits Creek Sweep. Shits Creek Sweep, baby. Everyone got an Emmy. Everyone. Pretty much you get every. An Emmy. You get an Emmy. But they they literally won in every single category of comedy. The only part of the Emmys that I watched was when they won like best series or something. But I got to see the way that they announced the Emmys since it was done digitally. And it was so cute. Did you see it? I saw some clips of it. Was Jimmy Kimball, he was doing it in an empty auditorium and they had clips from like previous years reacting to him. Oh, I didn't see that. (laughs) That was really creepy. The people that were announcing the different shows that were up for the same award. Oh. So like Elton John announced Shit's Creek. So the two girls from Broad City uh, announced- Abby and Alana. Yes. They announced The Good Place because they're friends with the girl that plays Janet. Do you know the girl who plays Janet used to babysit for Bill Hader? I love Janet. I just got her Funko Pop and Max was so excited when I got it because he loves The Good Place. He loves Janet. That's the weirdest combo. I love it. I love that they love each other. (laughs) 
<laughs> we got a Shit's Creek sweep. <laughs> and Regina King, we all knew it was in the bag for her to get lead actress in the limited series for Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Watchmen won outstanding limited series. And for writing for a limited series, I just listened to like the best interview on Fresh Air with Cora Jefferson, who wrote Watchmen and also wrote for A Good Place, your favorite. Mm, I do love Good Place. Uzo from Miss America won. Yeah. For Best Supporting Actress. And she was amazing. That, I mean, that's basically that's basically everything that mattered to us. <laughs> I know you got some comics to talk about. I got lots of comics for you. Let's hear it. Batgirl number 49, which is the finale for The Gordons Never Give Up. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a big one. Immortal She-Hulk number one just hit stands. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing Alex Ross variant that I'm eyeing. Spider-Woman number four. Sabrina the Teenage Witch Something Wicked number three. Mm-hmm. Invader Zim Quarterly number two. Sidebar, I didn't realize there was a, an Invader Zim movie on Netflix. I just watched it. Yeah. A, when did a that new come one. out? And was new it, is, and the is last it new? year or two? Oh, okay. Well, then I, I thought it was maybe I was hoping it was a little bit more newer than that. I was like, how did I not hear about it? It was fun, but I just, I love Invader Zim. Yeah, me too. Uh, we got Captain Marvel number 20. And then something I've been hearing about forever. It's been out. Uh, Detective Comics number 1027, which is, I think, 100 pages or something. It's Damn. a big one. But I didn't realize all the talent that they packed into it. We've got friend of the show, Kelly Sue DeConnick. I heard about <laughs> Batman getting a, a robot umbrella and her story in the book, which I'm excited to hear about. <laughs> I didn't hear about hers, but I did hear about Matt Fractions doing a little nod to Prince in his. I think his story is about all the times that Joker has tried to throw Batman a birthday party. It was never on the right day. <laughs> It was like a look back at all the times that he tried to, you know, defeat him under that context. That is so good. Well, you know that anytime there's any mention of Prince anywhere, I mean, it's going to get sent to me. Brian Michael Bendis, who you might know from um, Superman, and he's actually going to be done with Superman this year. Mariko Tamaki, which... Honestly, she's my favorite. I didn't even realize until recently that she had worked on some Lumberjanes and mm-hmm. Adventure Time comics. Mm-hmm. She's badass. And I and I love her so much. And I'm so glad I finally pronounced her name right. Yay. Um, and then, of course, Scott Snyder, who is kind of a controversial character. He's doing some kickstarting for his for a recent project, which I don't think is necessary because it was going to get made no matter what. He's such a big deal. Feels mm-hmm. kind of... I don't know. It's it's definitely ruffled some feathers him doing that. Oh, because he's trying to kickstart it. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I feel like people only have a, so much money to donate to Kickstarters and when you're that but big. Isn't it Kickstarter, but don't you get some don't you get the whatever you're kickstarting? So I mean Well, I mean it was gonna be printed, it was gonna be printed by image anyway. So that's the kind of the controversy behind it where it's like, oh well, I don't it was know. guaranteed already then. I feel like Are people you need to distracting stop distracting for controversies. Just let him do a fucking Kickstarter if he wants to. <laughs> I just have I have something against Snyder's in general. Yeah, I know. I was going to say it's just his name. It's you got me. <laughs> so I have a comic quiz for you if you'd like to take it. Oh my god! Is it multiple choice? No, it's a true false. Well, I'm screwed. 
You're not screwed. I think that you're just going to laugh at all my questions. We're doing it. We're doing comic trivia. You ready? Yep. Okay. Batman once defeated a villain by downloading the fighting skills of Stephen Hawking into his foe's helmet. The fighting skills of Stephen Hawking? Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, it's so ridiculous. I, I can't imagine you making that up, but I'm going to oh. say false. It's true. It is true. It's true. It's, I was going to say it's too ridiculous for you to have made that up. I mean, some of these are easy. I'm sorry. Uh, before Harry Potter, there was already a comic book about an English boy who finds out he's a wizard on his 12th birthday and receives an owl from a magical stranger. Isn't that a Neil Gaiman thing? It is. Yeah. Um, in the Marvel comics, Jesus is actually the world's most powerful mutant ever registered by the X-Men. That just reminds you of South Park. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say false. That is false. Santa Claus is. <laughs> but they're the same person. I know, right? Oh, my God. Santa Claus versus Wolverine. Claus versus Claus. <laughs> Claus versus Claus. <laughs> um, Dr. Doom's armor contains part of Jesus's cross to protect him from vampires. That's so ridiculous. I think it's, it's the same logic as the first question where it's just so ridiculous. I don't think you made that up. That's true. There's a shelved issue of Swamp Thing where Swampy ends up, and I have a lot of Jesus ones, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This is a theme here. There's a shelved issue of Swamp Thing where Swampy ends up meeting Jesus Christ during his last days and hands Jesus a cup of water while he suffers on the cross. I'm going to say false only because it wasn't him. That's true. Number 88 and the writer actually quit because DC wouldn't put it out. Wolverine was nearly called the Wombat. I, feel, I, I mean, when you think about wolverines in nature, they're really not that scary. Those big rodents, so. Right? Wombat would be hilarious. I'm going to say true just because I, I want it to be true. It's not true. He was almost called the badger. The badger. You did, you did one of those classic Kirsten's. Crystal the ball is a hero that is a sentient piece of glass that can read minds see the future and teleport she's an actual physical crystal ball with thoughts and anxiety about the future the character is a play on the legendary drag performer's name crystal labeja what team is she with what is she associated with i don't know (laughs) i didn't write that down sorry i want to say it's true then it's false i totally (laughs) made that (laughs) wow (laughs) who knew you could fit a crystal ball up your ass right just pull it right out the 1940s comic book superhero called Red Bee fought Nazis using trained bees. His favorite bee was named Michael, and he lived in his belt buckle. Michael B. Jordan? If I, if I keep guessing true, it'll eventually be right. hmm Yay! <laughs> uh, there was a comic book hero called the Green Llama. He was a practicing Buddhist, and one of his powers was oh, reincarnation. Oh, that's actually true. That is true. Yeah, I know. I remember that one. Uh, Superman once had his mind controlled by a villain named Sleaze, who tricked him into having a threesome. Yep. Wait, didn't Sleaze also uh, videotape him? And it was like, there was like a, a Superman porn? Yeah. That's, he yeah. didn't have a threesome. The answer is he had, a, he had, he got tricked into oh, having a oh, next okay. <laughs> Bonus points. <laughs> Bonus. God. Another God one. You ready? Yeah. God stuck Howard the Duck. Ooh, that's fun to say. God stuck <laughs> Howard the Duck with the bill after he skipped out after their meal at a restaurant in hell. 
That seems surreal enough for it to exist, but I feel like you did a little Kirsten tweak on it, so I'm going to say false. That's true. No, no tweak on that one? No tweak on that one. I almost tweaked it, and then I thought, this is so weird as it is. It feels very <laughs> like Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Can we uh, live tweet watch the Howard the Duck movie? Yes. I've seen it's been so long since I've seen it. I feel like it would be like seeing it for the first time. I want to do it. Put it on our duck it. <laughs> oh, wait. He skipped out on the bill and he's a duck. <laughs> Masters of the Obvious is brought to you by our friends at Little Shop of Gore. Cynthia, I love this store. Tell me about it. Full of horror and pop culture references. You'd really appreciate the Twin Peaks stuff. You know, I'm going to go and buy it. I'm going to buy all the Twin Peaks stuff. You got to get it. I recently got this really cool slime, drippy license plate frame that I've been rocking on my mom mobile. Love it. And you can check out and follow Little Shop of Gore on Instagram at Little Shop of Gore. And you can go to their website, littleshopofgore.com. That's L-I-T-T-L-E-S-H-O-P. O-F-G-O-R-E dot com and use code MOTO, M-O-T-O for 13% off at checkout. What? I know. Spooky 13. We have Charlie Feldman on the show today. They have been a part of the Screen Junkies crew, written for programs like Teen Titans Go, The Owl House, Adventure Time, Distant Lands, and even wrote and directed the gem fan film, Truly Outrageous. Thank you for being here, Charlie. Thanks so much. I like that they're all in the same like plane of existence. Like, they are. It's the time and then there's this fan film we kickstarted. It's, it's, it's accurate. I love That's it. That's the most important part. Loved it. And it got, it got the nerdist stamp of approval. It did. It did. Yeah, we had some good coverage on it. I think it was because, as you remember, when the, the other live action one was out there, I think some people were disappointed uh, with its direction. Just slightly. We gave just a different option of what it could have looked like. And there were some really good introductions. These two stars that, I don't know if you've heard, one's Riot Lazio and the other's uh, (laughs) just just superstars in the making. Never heard of them. So weird. (laughs) (laughs) That was really fun being a part of that. Well, I guess since we're already talking about Truly Outrageous, let's let's, let's talk about some more. Yeah. What's the story behind the fan film? Obviously, Chickbait and the process of it. It's all very fascinating. Chickbait itself used to be called Creature. And I, I was very sad to, to change the name because Creature sort of my nickname. But I guess it makes sense because like it was it was always supposed to be a collective of female identified folk who couldn't seem to sell anywhere else to other digital properties because I, I like m- myself, I was going to awesomeness and I was going to Shima and I was going to uh, defy and pitching shows for nerd concepts. And they'd be like, this is too, our, our demos is male and this is too female. Things like cosplay competitions, like things that are absolutely not gendered the w- in any way. The way you identify is too apolitical for us. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Costumes, uh, we align those with the certain genitalia. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's absurd. And, and myself, I, I'm not female identified anymore, but at the time it was important for me to like uplift female identified folk. 
and give them cameras and put them in their hands and try to to do more about the the space being more equitable and and mm-hmm. out there. It was a nice dream. <laughs> it unfortunately uh, could not fund itself, and and we found it hard it hard to keep it going. But one thing we did end up funding is the Gem and the Hologram fan film. Truly outrageous. I want to interject though. Please, please. Chickbait's content is still on YouTube and it is oh, yeah. quality, oh, including please. Golden Ghouls. That, that is so far my favorite thing we ever made. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. Killed me. Killed me. <laughs> so good. My favorite role of a lifetime as a werewolf, as if it was Sophia Petrillo. You were born to play that. It was like the Cinderella slipper for you, where you just fit so neatly in there. I am a, a tiny Sicilian on the inside <laughs> with, uh, what is it called? Uh, like anthropy. And uh, it's a shame. <laughs> no other holes cut my way to align with my special needs. Can we please kickstart that movie? Because I'm on board. Absolutely. I think it's been long enough that I can start tapping my wonderful friends and family for please, please fund my harebrained schemes. <laughs> We love a reboot. Yeah, so you so you kickstarted uh, the Gem fan film, and the origins were actually from Chick Bait. Yeah, we started as a sketch. Uh, so when when the trailer came out for the live action, honestly, my partner Claire and I we didn't grow up on Gem. Gem was a discovery later on in our lives, and it to be so not just wholesome, but like aspirational and Jem and, and Jerrica herself were, were they, they ran a business. They were a rock star. They, they helped a, a foster home for girls. And then we saw this and it just seemed like, Oh, this is a star is born for YouTube. Who is this even for? <laughs> and we made a sketch about it and it, it did okay. And yeah. We went with it. So hilarious. And then what, what was the time frame between like the sketch debuting and then the idea for the movie? Uh, I think it was only a couple months between uh, the sketch and the idea because we had wanted to do a short film anyway. I was doing a lot of like short form stuff for digital, but I really wanted to make a narrative piece happen. And you can make a short film and it can be your, your idea. And some people might watch it, but definitely having an IP that people know about might get more eyes on it. So that was our thought. And, and we, I thought we had a good idea. A lot of friends who were game to lend their talents very, very, very generously. I wish we could have paid everybody for their talents. It, it will forever bum me out that we didn't fight hard enough for, for the Kickstarter to to fund it all, but everyone was amazing. And you are amazing and you you're such a help during the production of Julia. I was such a, a minor part, but I'm I'm still very impressed by the cast list. My husband's a big Warehouse 13 fan. So the fact that you got Allison to play the Baroness. Funny enough, I'm wearing my Warehouse 13 rap hat right now. <laughs> Wait, did you did you work on it? I did. I was a writer's assistant for it. What? Okay, now now, now all the puzzle pieces are falling into place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I fell deeply in love with Allison Scagliotti while working uh, in the writer's room on that. And uh, uh. I, I conned her into doing a couple things for me at this point. <laughs> she is incredible at ad-libs. Unbelievable. We had so much footage that we couldn't use on, on, on Juliet Rages and on Golden Ghouls because she plays the, the Blanche Devereaux mummy. <gasps> Release um, the Snyder cut. I, I threatened <laughs> you. Like, I want to do an entire gag reel of just Allison takes because there's just. Allison ga- gag re- Gagli Alley. Truly. <laughs> 
I'll pitch that cool workshop. <laughs> so what was it like doing a, a crowdfunding campaign? I mean, I've done one too, and it's, it's yeah. no joke. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to put your hat out there and ask for money, especially like I couldn't imagine doing anything like that in the last year, uh, just because mm-hmm. there's so much need out there. And for the arts, I feel like the arts and it probably should take a, take a back seat. But, um, at the time it, it seemed like the only way to, to get this done, uh, in the way that we wanted to do it. Like we, we could have just jumped out there with the cameras we had, but we wanted it to be an actual respectable production of monograms. Uh, I mean, my, my expectation was pretty high anyway, but you totally blew it out of the water. We recommend anybody listening to go to YouTube immediately after listen, listen to this podcast first, but then go to YouTube. <laughs> and then immediately head to YouTube and search for Truly Outrageous. I grew up on Gem. I was hoping that the movie would give me something. It would give me nothing. And I was so excited when Kirsten showed me the fan film because it's exactly what it's exactly what we want with Gem fans, you know? That's excellent to hear. I mean, keeping in the 80s is one thing that was super important to us. It feels more alive in that atmosphere where you're allowed to be unabashedly kitsch and bright and optimistic and not have like, like yeah, we, we there's some meta jokes in there for sure. But I think for the most part, we were pretty sincere with at least our messaging. I remember you saying that you were going to bring in the other uh, franchises like was Transformers on the docket to you at some one point in the script? That was the, yeah, we have um, minks of stairs just like chilling out at a parking lot and then she gets hit on by Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's like a really tame fan fiction. Yeah, you know. I like it. I like it. Explicit. Although now there was this uh, meme going around of this pregnant lady in front of a, of a truck and it yes. looked like I had knocked this lady up. So who's to say what people are ready for? I'm not here to judge. Yeah, I think I, I, my friend posted that and I was all like, wow, someone really did park that big truck in that little garage. <laughs> I, I believe the love between consenting adults and high octane vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> That's the platform we needed this year, 2020. I wanted to ask you what you've been watching and reading and if there's any new releases you're looking forward to. I have been so desperately excited for The Green Knight to come out with Dev Patel. And, oh. and I don't know when it's supposed to come out at this point. And Candyman, Nia DaCosta's Candyman, I was really excited about. I'm definitely a horror junkie. She said uh, on Twitter that it will be next year. But gosh, I was so excited to see that so soon. Um, She's supposed to be doing the next uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Her. And in my head, Terrell Danvers and her uh, a fighter pilot friend are a couple. Like, they, they've fully Oh my gone. God. I'm watching Lovecraft Country and I don't want to come down too hard on it yet. I'm still excited about its premise and its promise to get cute mm-hmm. about it. But I, the, the change of tone and the pacing between the first episode and the second episode was so jarring. But I, I'm, I, I'm so excited for this take on Lovecraft. I think it's so cool to address his racism. Right off yes. the bat, and yes. look at around. I think it's so cool. So I saw it totally open my and God, the cast is so good. Journey Smollett and uh, Jonathan Majors are amazing. Anything you've been reading lately? I haven't read any graphic novels in a while. I got into a Jeff Lemire phase because I really like Descender, 
And then I started reading Sweet Tooth, but it was too depressing. So I stopped reading mm-hmm. Sweet Tooth. I'm reading actually uh, Richard Ayuwadi, who plays uh, Maz on the IT crowd. Yes. He has a book that is, it's bananas. And the whole concept is his cinematic uh, historian take on a uh, view from the top, like Gwyneth Paltrow movie that came out. Wow. <laughs> It's so dark, but I love it so much. We had a lot, my, my friends and I watched, we watched the movie, and that movie hates women. Mm-hmm. Hates, hates, women. So it's so funny to hear his comedic voice, like, t- treating it very seriously, like, wow. a, like, Tolini <laughs> or Bergman, and it's, it's, it's really hilarious. I love that. I've been I've been saying I'm waiting for so Noel Fielding is in IT crowd with Matt Barry, and I'm waiting for him to have a crossover into what we do in the shadows. Oh, that'd be hilarious. I could be Ayani in it. I mean, I think they're all friends with Taika. Uh, give me it. Give me it yesterday. I'm so I want it. <laughs> Episodes. I don't know when they'll be filming again. Everything mm. I love that went on hiatus is just like, ah, what are we gonna do? So such a bummer. But even Batman has COVID. There's nothing worth living for anymore. He's wearing the wrong kind of mask. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Only part that's not covered is the one that's vulnerable to COVID. I think it's because he's part of the one percent. They just they don't know any better. It's true. I, that's like my favorite talking point is that Batman's actually a villain. Ooh. Think about it. All this vigilante shit when he could just donate his money <laughs> and actually well, help people. Right. Like, no, I can do it myself. Look at my pouty lips as I just talk <laughs> against crime. <laughs> I, I love Batman. Batman the Animated Series was one of my very favorite shows as a kid. So how how has the pandemic affected your your work and day-to-day life? Are you working at home now or? So yeah, I, I'm extremely lucky. I got onto a show in January. So I was working consistently through beginning of the year, through the start of COVID. And then in June, I got on another show. So I have not even had a break, which is... I mean, I, I was in animation. This show is technically live action with very, very animated characters. Can you talk about it? I think I know what it is. I, I think I did tell you. I It's announced. I don't know why they're being coy about talk about it. It's, it rhymes with gaggle spock. No, I, I'm, <laughs> writing, I'm writing on the reboot of Fraggle Rock and it's the best uh, writing experience I've ever had. I love it. I mean, not, which is not to say, like, Owl House taught me so much and was an incredible experience. Everything I've ever written on has been pretty much uh, a dream job. But was, this one in particular is special. Was Owl House what you were working on earlier in the year? No, so Owl House, I only worked on its first season and I left to produce something with Hasbro that unfortunately fell apart. And never see the light of day, but that is how the development crumbles. That year, I worked on a lot of Freeman stuff. So that's the same year I did Teen Titans. I did the show called The Mighty Ones, which is awesome. I don't know when that's coming out on Hulu. End of the year, I started with Adventure Time. I'm very curious how I'm going to be listed on Adventure Time. I started working towards the last two episodes and I'm not on contract. So I, if I don't get a credit on it, I'll just be like, I swear I worked on it. I've got <laughs> <It's right>. everything. <laughs> You're in a jacket. Like, I swear, you guys, I swear. <laughs> Cynthia and I just showed our kids Owl House this weekend, yeah. actually. Yes, my son is a tough critic. He is, he's six years old and he like has his oh, own, yeah. 
he knows what he likes and he i've never i wish i recorded what he said because he was so animated about it. it is it's horrifying cool and scary all mixed together it's so cool like he was so excited about it you <laughs> <laughs> i've ever heard yeah my kids are super into it i feel like i could pinpoint what lines that you helped develop because i could i could hear your humor in the show. I was definitely hired to to, to write a lot of the, the jokes specifically. Like everyone, <laughs> that was my first staffing, and the difference between um, staffing and just writing episode is like you 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 are in the room every day. It's a day job. You're developing your relationship with the other writers and and trying to hive mind all these these stories, breaking them down and and creating this world. So I've done that with Owl House now, Adventure Time, the show that I have not named that I don't want to give any free press to and then Fraggle. So very, very fortunate for that. But Owl House, Owl House was so, it was, I mean, you always remember your first. <laughs> oh. So when did you start uh, working on Teen Titans Go? Teen Titans Go, I only did a freelance episode for. I did the Bat Scouts, which is a thing I pitched because of my love of Batman. So there you go. Yes. <laughs> if you're lucky, you find yourself in these freelance positions where you just get little, little flavors here and there of shows you really admire. And that was one of the shows I was very proud to be tapped to do. I feel like you should be very proud that your humor works very well with kids' cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a giant goober. So luckily there's uh, there's room for goobers in a lot of different areas. I love it. <laughs> They're all smart kids' cartoons though. None of these are like True. ones that talk down to kids. That's important to me. I'd say if I had one goal in being a writer for animation, like I'd like to write live action uh, as well, but kids are, as you both know, of being moms. It's I hate when shows talk down to kids because mm-hmm. and you know it. I remember being a kid and knowing when I was being talked down to, and there's nothing more condescending than that. I like I love the show Gargoyles, which talked about. Shakespeare and world mythology and it expected me to like, I didn't have Wikipedia at the time. And they were like, go to the library, kid. You'll love it. <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. <laughs> Animaniacs is another one like that too. Or like, I think kids like learning and like feel like even if they don't get the jokes. So like, I like that there was an effort there and I like the enthusiasm behind that. <laughs> yeah. And it sends like my kid will go out if he learns something on a cartoon, they'll like seek out a documentary or something based on what little factoid that he learned in a cartoon. Just mine. Okay. never mind. That's amazing. <laughs> no, that's, that's I love that. Uh, because I don't know. Uh, you can watch a show and you will how fun and zany and great it is. But then you'll watch it again and you'll get something else out of it. The older you get, like an Animaniacs, you don't realize how dirty Animaniacs is until you're an adult. And how much fun they must have uh, had doing all these, like, euphemisms. <laughs> but also, also, like, the Hollywood stuff. Like, they, they make jokes about um, Buster Keaton and kids aren't expected to <laughs> uh, How'd you get into writing and, and directing? And what was the, what's the story behind that? can't say there's a story. It's definitely something I've always done to sort of process the world around me. I would write storybooks, but I'd also write script scripts. I'd have my dad type them up for me when I'd have uh, like an idea bubble up. I My first full thing was uh, Batman the Funny series, which was <laughs> an of Batman the Animated Series and Animaniacs, where uh, Batman is trying to save the world's anchovies from the penguin. Uh, it's very high-minded. I think there's some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in there in its DNA. I love that so much. <laughs> and he would just patiently type that out? 
yeah, I, w- I would say the lines that I expected them to say and, and my dad would, would type it up. Oh my God. I love that. Yay, dad. <laughs> so sweet. do you have any, is there anything that you find inspiring or that you go to when you are working on something to kind of get the juices flowing? Being a staff writer, you're definitely trying to replicate the voice of the showrunner. So a lot of the times you're not really pulling from an inner world of creativity. You're, you're just trying to make these characters who they're supposed to be from, from this point of view. Of, like it, it just depends on the showrunner too. Like mm-hmm. you're obviously in that room because you have a point of view and you're, you're giving your own flavor to it. Like the, the show I was doing in January asked to do a lot of things that were like, I don't want to say bratty because I feel like brat has a bad connotation, but I'm very proud of brat. And I have a lot of brat content to share. So <laughs> there are definitely episodes of the show that uh, will be directly from my life and directly from the horrible trouble I got into all the time. Let's let's reclaim the word brat, please. Yes. Nice. Yes. Bring out the brat mobile. Let's go. Let's yes. Go. Also an excellent band. Excellent band. <laughs> what about when you're writing uh, like original content, not staff writing? I think the best stories come from your own experience, whether it's something that's a one-to-one or it's something that really moves you. Or uh, Say, for instance, there's historical weird things that my friend who, who is a museum curator will tell me. And obviously, I'm not, I can't tell you anything about like Abraham Lincoln or, or the context of the Civil War. But I'm fascinated specifically about a story where these counterfeiters tried to steal his dead body to get their buddy out of jail. I think it's so funny. Oh, <laughs> True story. I can talk about that a lot longer, but I, I only bring it up to say that there will be something about an idea, whether it comes from your life or just amuses you, that you just like sticks in your craw and you're like, all right, craw daddy, let's go. Let's, let's write this out. Now I'm even, I'm even more disappointed by National Treasure now when we could have had, <laughs> we could have had that movie. I mean, as long as Nick Cage walks the earth, there is a chance we will get that movie. There's still a debate as to if he's a good actor or not, which is like, it really sends you down a rabbit hole, I feel like. But he's a surrealist. I, I, his style cannot be replicated. It is entirely into the human being. Yeah, to your question, I do feel like pulling from emotions or stories from, from your own life is a good basis and that's something I, I draw from, but also things I want to impart to the world. And Fraggle Rock is one show where I... God, it's just such a nice safe haven of sanity where you're just like, okay, what do we want to tell the people? We want to talk about consent and we want to talk about environmental responsibility or we want to talk about accountability to your neighbor. This is great. I feel like we're doing something. Oh, nice. It's exactly what's missing too. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. That's got to feel so rewarding. Many shows over the years have done it. I, I think one in this modern era, you and I have talked about this, is Steven Universe. Really gave animation a new, a new heart and a new mission. And mm-hmm. I, I will forever be grateful for it. Uh, just to allow kids a space to deal with really tough topics that they are not, they weren't previously allowed to express, like, like loss, like toxic masculinity like not feeling like they're they're good enough i don't know i love that show yeah i feel like it really it set the bar a lot higher 
when before I know, especially when we were younger, but especially when Cynthia was younger, shows were just made to sell toys <laughs> and they didn't really have, have to have a lot of depth to it. So you like compare like old My Little Pony or old She-Ra to their modern counterparts. And you're like, wow, we're getting <laughs> such good quality content now for kids shows. And I would say, I doubt it's from lack of desire from the people who created the shows. Like, Christy Marks did the best that she could with Jem. I definitely think that she got away with a lot of those, like, deeper messages um, in the show. But, yeah, like, it'd be selling toys or it would be environmentalism, like, Captain Planet. It would just be like, the, the rainforest is burning. We can do something. <laughs> and they do it. It's just like, yeah, that happens in real life. Yeah. <laughs> A bunch of American kids really care about the rainforest. (laughs) That's a hard sell. (laughs) So do you want to hit them with some of our more fun questions? Sure. I'll just rapid fire them off. Inside the actor studio for dummies. (laughs) What's your favorite word? Quisotic is a fun word. Mm. Uh, Just it. back when live journal roamed the earth, and you could say what emotions you were feeling. Quisotic was one of them. I, I thought it was very funny. That's my favorite restaurant chain, Quisotic. It's a restaurant chain? No, no. Quiznos is. No. <laughs> Speaking of, what's your go-to snack slash guilty pleasure? Or if you'd rather, what's your uh, go-to order at any fast food restaurant? My go-to snack makes me an old person, but this is just how I was raised. I I eat a lot of dried fruit, specifically golden raisins. I don't... It's a bold choice. I mean, I'm regular. Let's just be, put it that way. <laughs> that's like, that's like looking at a bowl of potpourri at like a grandma's house and be like, you know, <laughs> I'd hit that. I could eat that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I snack around, but that is definitely something. Like raisinets are my my um, cinema food too. So. Also, an old people choice. I love. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> so the Golden Ghouls was really not a stretch for you at all. Not at all. I have been old forever. <laughs> you already had Werther's in your pocket when you filmed it. Out of nowhere, just Those strawberry up. candies. Werther's yeah. are phenomenal hard candy. It's true. You're, you're right. You're right. How dare I? Like, into the mic, just like. Oh my God. Can we do a, a grandma's candy dish ASMR? <laughs> oh my God. That would do so well. A, spe- a specific person that that would apply to, too. Like, who would. Or opening a, a, a sewing tin and then getting the candy out of there. But it's like the, the butter cookie one, that blue one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's mm-hmm. a very specific one. What are you not good at? I'm not good at things. I'm definitely not good at uh, hiding my emotions. I, I'm i a very on my sleeve sort of human and I wish I was better. I think I would be, I would have succeeded as an actor if I was better at that. But I have no control over it. You know when I'm happy, you know when I'm angry, you know when I'm sad. <laughs> And yeah, I have no poker face. I'm a good bullshitter, but just a terrible, terrible poker face. <laughs> and then finally, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore Feldman. I don't do any on-camera stuff anymore. I'm, I'm a, a writer who lives in a cave where I belong. <laughs> uh, so just watch, watch the things that I'm, I'm that, are, that are coming out soon. Owl House for Season is out there for consumption. 
Titans Go, the episode Bat Scouts is out, when the Mighty Ones comes out, or Creature Cases, or uh, Adventure Time just lands um, BMO, BMO's Adventure. I forgot what the BMO episode's called. I think it's just called BMO, isn't it? I think so. It lands BMO. I, I just watched it. Oh, good. It's so I good. had nothing to do with that one. And it's so, <laughs> so, so, so good. I wish I did. BMO's such a fun character to write for. The other ones, the last special of the Adventure Time specials that, well, I don't know if their Wizard City will be the last one. Should be the last one to make people sob, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited oh, to ruin this case. Delicious. I think on their tears. Well, Charlie, this has been so much fun. I miss you. I miss you too. <laughs> People at home, this is so important to me that she helped make my veil for my damn wedding. <laughs> Your damn wedding. I was like, I gotta hide that mug. If, if there's the last thing I'm gonna do, I gotta hide that mug. You looked amazing on your wedding day. Thank you. I mean, honestly, cottage court before it was cool. Thank you, because I'm old. I'm actually Baba Yaga, so I'm just trying to bring <laughs> the kids in on my chicken dip. I think I think I'm so hot. We had both Cynthia and I have to turn off our fans every time before recording, so I have a lot of boob sweat right now. Ew. We'll cut that out. <laughs> no, keep it in. We spent the we spent the first episode just screaming about our periods. <laughs> like the boob sweat stays in. The boob sweat stays in. Robert Evans from Beyond the Grave is like <laughs> that boob sweat. It's gonna bring us straight to the top of the chest. <laughs> <laughs> that showbiz, baby. The boob sweat's got Maxie. We did it. Thank you so much to our guest, Charlie Feldman. I love talking to them. Don't forget to check out our website at mastersoftheobvious.com for new episodes, news, and merch. Our Instagram at Masters of the Obvious, Facebook at Masters of the Obvious, and Twitter at Masters of the O. And if you'd like to be a patron of our show, you can go to contribute.mastersoftheobvious.com. And if you'd like, we'll even mention you on the show. But if you'd like to remain anonymous, we understand. We don't want to be associated with us either. Please, please don't forget to like and share and subscribe and leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you so much for listening. And we love you, like, a lot. Of the obvious.